Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We are now beginning the 10th parak of Masachet Nidarim, uh, parak Na'arahamu Rasa, uh, which takes us to um, an area that we began to investigate in the previous parak, which is Hatarat Nidarim, but into a new wrinkle in it, which, as you could see on the handout from the selected passages, especially the bolded passages, from the Parshav Nidarim in, uh, in Parshat Matot in Bamid Barlamid Bet, uh, which, sorry, Bamid Barlamid, which, uh, beginning Pasuk Bet, which we dealt with at the very beginning of the Masachet, uh, the relationship, uh, between a daughter and her father or a, a wife and her husband within the realm of Nidarim is somewhat set off from all others in that the father or husband, respectively, can has the right to repudiate a neder. We will deal with the form of the repudiation and the time frame and what sort of nederim are subject to that in the next parak. But for right now, we're going to deal with a unique circumstance within that uh, somewhat select group, and that is a na'arahamu urasa. Just as a brief... Uh, um, preface, if a boy or a girl takes a ned there and they are significantly underage, we disregard the netter totally. So, uh, underage means that they are more than a year away from um, majority. It means a girl below the age of 11, a boy below the age of 12. Once they are in that year, then we check them to see if they know what they're doing, and if so, the netter is valid, if not, not, and once they have reached that age, then the netterim are valid in any case, if they are otherwise competent. Now, a na'ara, a girl who is of that age, who is a na'ara, uh, is still halachically in the domain of her father, and therefore her father has the ability to repudiate the netter. If that girl gets married, then her husband no matter how old she is, has the ability to repudiate the netter, but only with specific kind of nedarim. If she is a na'arahamu rasa, which was very common in the ancient world to be at the age of na'ara and to already be betrothed to somebody while still living with father, then, as we'll see in the first Mishnah, both the uh, fiancé, although he's going to be called Baal here, just as a, a sort of loose borrowing of the word, and the father have to participate in the hafara. Na'arahamu rasa avia So the father and the fiancé have to be made for nidarim. Hefer ha'av hefer ha'bal, hefer hefer ha'av. And so now the Mishnah seems to restate it by saying that if the father did, did it, not the husband, the husband did it, not the father, eno mufar, it is not repudiated. And certainly if one of them confirmed the netter, and the way to confirm a netter is when you hear a netter, to, if you're the position, in position of power, you say, I confirm it. Amen. Good idea. Go ahead. That's Kiyum HaNeder. We will see later on in our parak, in the last parak of Nidarim, specifics about Kiyum HaNeder, but it's a confirmation. So if one of them fails to repudiate the netter, the netter is not yet repudiated, it's still somewhat alive. If one of them confirms the netter, then it's certainly a valid netter. Okay, now, the Gemara right away asks the question uh, of the new information that's in the second half of the Mishnah that appears at the top of the Samud, Hainu Reisha, that's exactly what was said in the beginning of the Mishnah. 
It says the father and, uh, and the Arus have to participate together. So, of course, if the father does it, not the Arus, and vice versa, it's not Mufar. So, I might think that the Vav in the first part of the Mishnah is a Vav, uh, sort of a disjunct, meaning either one of them. The father can do it, the Arus can do it, but you don't need both, and therefore the second half of the Mishnah teaches that you do need both. The Mishnah then goes on to say, as we saw, that certainly if one of them confirmed the netter, then it is not repudiated. Now, why do I need to say that? After all, it's quite obvious, and the Mishnah says, it's not necessary, so why did you say it? After all, you just got through telling me that if one of them repudiated it without the other, that's nothing. So why do I have to teach that if one of them confirmed the netter, it's a valid netter? The answer is, So here's the case that the Mishnah is covering. One of them, we'll say for argument's sake, the father is made for the netter. And then, then let's say the, the Arus comes along and says, no, I like the netter. It's a good netter. I confirm it. This is something that we're going to deal with in a couple of podcasts about the ability to retract the confirmation of the netter. To go to the Chacham and say, I regret confirming her neder and has it retracted. So father repudiated the neder. The fiancé confirmed it and then went back and had his confirmation retracted. I might think, therefore, that um, now all that has to happen is that the fiancé has to repudiate the netter. The father's repudiation is already in place. And all they need is now for the husband to finish the job. That's why it teaches you, certainly if one of them was Mekayim, meaning if one of them was Mekayim, then that interrupted the whole Hafara. If he then retracts his key, his Hekem, and repudiates, then the other fellow has to come back and repudiate again. His original repudiation now is gone. That's what the Mishnah is teaching. Now, the basic question we have to deal with is, what's the source for this halacha that you need both father and fiancé? What's the source? We're going to have to find two sources, Rava, or maybe Rabba, and Tanabeh Rishmoel. Amar Rabba, Amar Kra, V'im Hayoti Ishum Aleha. Take a look at the Psukim. In the previous section, talks about father being made for Nadarim. And then it says, ve with a vav, ve'im hayoti elish, if she becomes t- connected to a man. We'll see a little later what that verb haya may imply. Connected to a man, unadareha, unadareha That's a significant thing, which means she gets betrothed to him, and she already has Nadarim on her. And then the uh, Arus hears about it, and he is Mayfair, he hear, he's Mayfair on the day that he hears about it, we'll get into those details again in the next parak. then it's Mufar. Now, what's that teaching? That proves that both father and Arus have to participate. How'd you get that? Because of the Vav. The Vav connects the father in the previous Pasuk, and here it says the husband has to. Now, maybe this Pasuk is talking about a married woman. Hayoti Aleish, if she becomes married, maybe that's what it means. So, Imishum for that we have another Pasuk that tells us about a married woman, which is a little later on, and I bolded it also, Pasuk 11, Imbeit Ishana Dara, if she takes a neder in the house of her husband. 
So maybe both Sukim are talking about a married woman. And then you're going to counter and saying, what do I need to psukim about a married woman that a husband uh, uh, retracts his wife's nadarim? Maybe it's there to teach me a new principle. In other words, maybe pasuk yor aleph in beit dara is there to teach me that the husband has the sole rights of hafara over his wife. And maybe the one in Pasuk Zion, Vimayoteliish, is to tell me that Unadareha Leha is that the husband cannot repudiate Nadarim that were taken before they're married. Now Valav but after all, that just follows from the from the from the presentation, which is that it says in Pasuk Yaralaf, if she takes the netter in the husband's house, that already teaches me that in the dorm she took before, he doesn't have purview over. So I've already got that message. So clearly, the two psukim, one is about a married woman, one is about a betrothed woman. Now, I got that information, but let's test it further. There's another answer to that question, which is, that root, to be, implies in the context of marriage, betrothal specifically, not marriage, as we see in uh, in Dvarim which we throughout Masachet Kiddushin understand that Havahaita is an expression of Kiddushin, of betrothal, and not of marriage. So here, Vimhayoti Aliish implies just betrothal. Now, Ema, so I got that information, but let's try this. Av Mefar, so maybe the father alone does the Hafar, because after all it says, Ve'im Hayoti Aliish, following father doing the Hafar. So, Imkein Vasra Isar Beitaviha, then why do you need all the psukim before that to tell me that if she makes a netter while she's single, that her father repudiates it? After all, you're trying to argue that even when she's betrothed, father does the hafar alone. So why does the Torah have to teach me that if she's single, her father does it alone? That's uh, unnecessary. So, so let's try this one. Perhaps the father cannot do it alone, and that's why it has to teach that he can do it alone when she's single. But he can't do it alone here. He needs the arus, but the arus can do it alone. Maybe the fiancé can do it alone. So then why does the Torah say av in the pasuk before v'imayoteliish? He's there to tell me he has veto power. In other words, if father speaks up and confirms the neder, that will be a confirmation. But if he's silent and only the arus is mayfair, maybe that's enough. So how do I know I need them both? So now, why does the Torah tell me in Pasuk Aleph that the husband alone is mayfair when they're married? After all, if the husband alone is mayfair when they're just betrothed, when they're married. When the father is still in the picture, when they're betrothed, the, the arus is mefer alone. Do you need to tell me that when the, there is no father in the picture, when she's already fully married, that he can mefer alone? So, uh, so let's play this out. It's not going to. It's not going to take us anywhere, obviously, because it's all a straw man. Because we know we're going to we're going to get to to the conclusion that you need both arus and av. But the suggestion here is maybe I'll argue that in Beit Ishanadara, in other words, maybe the Torah is teaching that the arus alone can do it. And the reason the Torah has to say in Beit Ishanadara 
is not to teach me that the husband alone can do it, because that's a kal v'chomer, but rather to teach you that the Baal cannot be Mayfair earlier things, only things that she took in Beit Isha. Umine, so what's the conclusion from that? Arus Mayfair v'kodmin? So you're telling me that in the case of the married man, he could only be Mayfair stuff she took after they were married, but in the case of an Arus, because the Pasuk says, Unudareha Aleha, he could be Mayfair stuff, that she, in the dharm that she took before they were betrothed, makes no sense. It must be that because the father is participating, that's why he's able to be Mayfair. So now we've cleaned it all up, and we've seen from the fact that the Torah tells me that the father alone can do it when she's single, and the husband alone can do it when they're fully married, then the mention of both of them in the context of a betrothed girl implies that this is a state that is that uh, that falls under neither uh, umbrella, or rather both, and uh, and and because otherwise one of the psukim is unnecessary. If you're going to argue that father alone can do it when they're betrothed, then why tell me that father alone can do it when they're single? If you're going to tell me husband alone can do it when they're betrothed, then why tell me husband can do it when they're married? It must be that we need both father and husband here. Okay, that's Rabba. Now, the very Bishmoel Tanahi has a different approach, which is the last pasuk in the parsha that says, "These are the laws about Nedarim ben Ishli Shto ben Av Levito." These are the laws that apply between a man and his wife, and between a father and his daughter. What's the connection? Bishmoel says, "Take a look. What's the one case where you could have?" Both an ish ishto relationship and an abito relationship. The same girl could still be in halachic relationship with her father and halachic relationship with a husband. And that is a naraham murasa. So that's his source. Now, well, the Tanah Rebbe Shmuel, according to him, so what does he do with Pasuk Zion that talks about that Rabbah used? So Mokim Le'idach to Rava, he needs it for a different limut of Rava that we're going to get to in a few uh, podcasts. Uh, so we'll leave it for there. Uh, take a look at the Ron if you're interested, but it is a different limo that has to do with the notion of nitrokna, which um, which we're going to mention in the next podcast. For Rava, what is Rava who used if I tell Ish? What's he going to do with his last pasuk? Ben Ish Ishto. He said that pasuk is needed to tell, tell me that nadarim that a husband can be mefer are only nadarim that affect the relationship, which we'll deal with in the next parak, because it says ben ishli ishto ben alpha vito, that the nadarim have to be ben ishli ishto things that affect the relationship, and not nadarim that she's not going to eat cheesecake or she's not going to take a walk on that street or whatever it may be, only things that affect them. All right, so we have. Uh, gotten our feet wet in this very significant parak, and uh, gotten a sense of uh, of the issue of Narahamurasa, the tension between the father being Mayfair and the Arus being Mayfair, and we've seen two suggestions for the source, for the halacha, the Narahamurasa, aviyovala, mefirin dareha. Yitz Hashem, in the next podcast, we'll continue with a an essential question about the nature of their partnership, Baal Megas Gaiz, Omiklash Kalish. Until then, everyone, have a wonderful day.